Welcome to Beyond the Lines. I'm your host, Jason Davis. You can follow this podcast on Facebook at Beyond the Lines Podcast, on Instagram, Beyond the Lines Podcast, on X, formerly known as Twitter, at underscore Beyond the Lines, and also on TikTok at Beyond the Lines Podcast. Also, if you have any questions, comments, or show ideas, you can email me at btlpodcast213 at gmail.com. If you enjoy what I'm building here at Beyond the Lines, I ask that you support the show by making a small donation. All you have to do is click on the support the show link in the show notes and donate. If you donate, you'll get a shout out in a future episode. And I thank you in advance. This is episode number 71. And today I will be discussing if black quarterbacks are still viewed and rated differently than white quarterbacks. So now let's meet this episode's guest. My guest today is BJ Hall. He's the owner of the quarterback house in the Tampa Bay area. BJ, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being on. So today we're going to talk about a topic that's been around for quite a while. We don't really hear a whole lot about it now, but it's still out there. And that's one dealing with race at the quarterback position. Mm-hmm. And so we want to talk about that a little bit. I know things have changed over the years and things have gotten a little bit better. But in light of what's going on this year, and particularly in the NFL, I think it's a topic that we need to discuss and talk about. Certainly, some of the leaders at the quarterback position in the NFL this year are black and brown quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. But I think there's still this thing that's going on in the NFL where they're still looking for the next Peyton Manning or the Tom Brady. And some of those quarterbacks of color are not getting recognized as much as they probably should. So I'm glad to have you on to talk about that. So first of all, before we get into the topic, talk a little bit about what the quarterback house is, what you offer, and what parents and athletes can expect when they attend. Yeah, we're based out of Trinity, Florida. That's where our headquarters are. I've been training and enhancing quarterbacks for about 10 years now. And the biggest thing is just showing them the nuances of the position and the understanding of the position and what it takes from a mental and physical aspect. We do camps where we evaluate our guys and, and bring in formal NFL guys to evaluate them and give them recipes to their success as well. So I try to do different things in the company outside of my own mind as well, you know, with different experiences from other quarterbacks. But we've had success in the program the past 10 years, and we work with kids from ages 7 all the way up to 25. We have guys that are playing professionally. We have guys in the college ranks, and we also have them high school and youth quarterbacks as well. And you can find our Instagram pages, the quarterback house, QB house underscore QBs. We put a lot of content there of our training and what we do and what we bring to the table. Now, you're a quarterback yourself. When did you start playing a quarterback position? At 10 years old. 10 years old. And what got you interested in playing quarterback? Actually, man, it was my youth coach. I was playing other positions and having fun at that, just running around like a young kid. And my coach was like, hey, I seen you throw over there. And he let me throw a football one time. I fell in love with it and I started throwing ever since. And I was always a neighborhood quarterback at that age. I always throw the farthest, but I didn't know what it took until they actually put the ball in my hands, man. I fell in love with it, and I've been playing it ever since. So if you weren't a quarterback, what other position would you be playing? Receiver. I started out as a defensive end, defensive back. I played it all because I was just in love with the game, so to say, when I was young. So if I wasn't playing quarterback, I was always on the field doing something else just because I never wanted to leave the field. As a young player, who was your sports hero? 
It uh, kind of varies, man, because my cousin, Tony Robinson, I always heard about him. He played at University of Tennessee. And then from him, you get into Charlie Ward. Charlie Ward was my second favorite. And then the guys that started coming in after him, the uh, Donovan McNabb and uh, Michael Vick, and also Air McNair, you know, rest in peace. That's the type of player I feel like I was, man. You know, I wasn't the fastest like Vic or anything like that, but I was more so like a McNair and a, and a McNabb where, you know, I would sit in the pocket, but I would also get out if I needed to. But I didn't have a 4-3 speed or anything like that like Vic did. <laughs> well, you mentioned McNabb and McNair and um, Charlie Ward. That's a good trio of quarterbacks to model your game after. So. Sure. Like I said, we're talking about the race issue when it comes to the quarterback position. But as a young quarterback, did you ever feel or experience any negative bias because you were black? Absolutely, man. When I was coming out, you were somewhat athletic. I wasn't slow. I was pretty ass and wheels, man. But when I was coming out, you had to be darn perfect. And you had to fit the pocket passing stigma. It wasn't that you couldn't do it. Just the game hadn't evolutionized to what it is now. It wasn't ready for guys like us. And if it was, you know, we, we were shipped off to Canada and things like that to play and to show we can play and, and understand the game. But definitely around my generation, we had the guys like Michael Vick's brother, Marcus Vick, that was coming yes. out, Pat White. All those guys probably would be playing quarterback now in the NFL. But when I was coming out, it's just, you know, they were looking for the Peyton Mannings and Tom Brady's. They were looking for those type of guys, man. And thank God the rules have changed and the mindset have changed as far as what they're looking for in the league. But it just wasn't it back when I was coming out. So, you you know, to get a chance and get an opportunity, it was a blessing. You know, I got in NFL workouts and played in the CFL, played in the Arena League. And that was all a blessing because it was a, it was a hurdle. It wasn't easy. It was one of those deals where you had to really prove yourself that you could really get an opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned the Canadian League, and one of the pioneers at the position was Warren Moon, as you probably know. He played in the CFL for a number of years, and in fact, by the time he got to the NFL, his career was more so towards the back end because he had spent so many years in Canadian League because he couldn't catch on in the NFL. Again, he's one of those pioneers, but it speaks to what you just said, where guys kind of had to prove themselves. Now, obviously, you came years after Warren Moon, so imagine what he had to go through in order to try to prove himself and just try to get into the NFL. You're around high school programs a lot. Have you come across the notion that black quarterbacks aren't as cerebral as whites? That's a great question, man. I don't think it's that so much now, right? But I think the proof is in the pudding now that we can think and we can play and we can be productive, right? Right. It doesn't matter race or whatever. I think anybody that thinks that is thinking like in a box prehistorically, right? The way it used to be. But I always have in the back of my mind that a black quarterback will always have to work harder Mm -hmm. to maintain these opportunities that we're giving now. You understand? Because there was a time and place where the opportunities was not given because of our race. Yes. So we have to always have that in the back of my mind. It's just like slavery, anything like that. That stigma was there. And so people that are in high places, you never know the mindset. So if you come in prepared as possible, more prepared, over-prepared, then you always gain an opportunity and whatever happens from there happens. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to get to that mindset piece in a minute. But what's striking to me is, as you mentioned earlier, the game has changed. Mm -hmm. And so you see a lot of quarterbacks of color in the NFL, yet there's still this notion that they can't think, they can't be cerebral, they can't read the defenses, they're not coachable, those types of things. And to me, it seems kind of odd if you're going to have a quarterback of color running your team, and obviously quarterback is the most important position on the field, Mm -hmm. 
why would you have someone on the field if they supposedly can't be cerebral in the game? Because we all know football is 70 plus percent mental. Everyone out there can run and block and all those things, but you have to mentally be in the game. And so to me, that's something that's always kind of like, I don't really understand how you're going to have someone of color at the position that's most important on the field, but yet supposedly they're not able to think out there. Uh, that's great. And, and I think you have to go into both sides of it, right? Sometimes it's not just the quarterback that's on the field. Sometimes it's the offensive coordinator who maybe can't process fast as well. And they great got point. an opportunity. You know what I'm saying? They got an opportunity. And I see the best coordinators. It doesn't matter who you kind of have out there. If you can really dissect and coach, you can kind of find a way for that kid to be successful. And you see, like, the best coordinators, they're doing that with quarterbacks who they, quote, unquote, say can't think or can't play ball. Like, if you look at uh, Lamar Jackson, you heard everything in the book when it came to him. They were saying, you know, he couldn't play the position and they needed to move him to running back. And Ravens found a way for him to be successful. They won an MVP. Mm-hmm. He's playing well this year, you know, so sometimes it's not just about the quarterback. Sometimes we have to flip it. Why isn't this kid who they say was the number one pick, why isn't he getting it done? Right, absolutely. And so not to say that it doesn't exist on the college level, but why does it seem that we don't hear much about this issue at the college level like we do at the pro level? Because I I think the college level is more so made, the offenses now in college are more so diverse than the NFL. Mm -hmm. I don't think the NFL has caught up. And you listen to a lot of the really good minds, like the Andy Reeds. They've switched the mindset on how they're going to call plays. They're having fun, really. And you still have some coordinators with the mindset of it has to be the old NFL way. It has to be the old seven-step drop, the old five-step drop, long plays. It doesn't have to be that. It's about execution. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just about getting in the right system and being with the right coordinator who understands, you know, you got to be innovative for this thing to work with any quarterback that you have. You know, Mahomes, he may have went somewhere else. He might have not been Mahomes. Right. Absolutely. And speaking on that mindset part of it, in my opinion, I think the perception has gotten better over the past few years. Why do you think that perception still exists in the NFL that quarterbacks of color cannot be successful at that position or they want to move a quarterback of color to running back or receiver or cornerback or something like that? Well, I think that's always going to be there from just history, right? But at the mm-hmm. same time, I think as a person, as a black quarterback or whatever, I think it's the best thing you can go through. It's adversity, right? Which drives you, right? And right, absolutely. needs that drive and, and everybody needs that. For us, we have that on our shoulders. It's okay, they think we can't do this. They think we can't do that. And we do it. You have that chip on your shoulder as far as absolutely. somebody's doubting you. And so I don't necessarily think it's a terrible thing. It's, it's life, right? right. As a young quarterback, you know, I teach them all, you know, you're going to dominate this situation. You know, you're not going to go in and just be mediocre because you may not get that opportunity again based on the past. And also, too, it goes both ways. It's some guys may have gotten opportunities and they didn't do well or they did something that maybe turned the mindset of a GM that maybe it was their time, but they kind of killed the culture as far as an opportunity. That's true. So. It goes both ways, but I do think we're getting more opportunities now than we did before. We just got to be over-prepared. And we also, when it comes to where we go to school or we go to college, those things have to be thought out. We can't just pick the school that we think has a good logo. It has to you know, fit what we do well. That's going to manifest if we plan on doing this thing at the next level. It's going to manifest at the next level. So I want to play for this coordinator. And this coordinator I know has success 
sending these quarterbacks to the NFL and I got to go to someone like that and not just the first offer that comes on the table or the biggest school that come on the table. Excellent point. Patrick Mahomes is the face of the NFL, yet it still has this feel that the NFL is still looking for the next Peyton Manning or Tom Brady, as we said before. Do you feel like the NFL will get to a point where they're going to be looking for the next Lamar Jackson or Jalen Hurts? That's a great question, man. I don't think it's ever going to be that, right? When they're ever going to look for it, I think they show up and it's always going to be a wow instead of a switch of this is what we're going to put on 4th Street because that just hasn't been the NFL. Right. So, again, us as a culture and us understanding the position, we're always going to have to fight to be that face, right? He's done a great job to earn that, right? He's done such a great job to earn it that he's exceeding expectations at year six, year seven, when it takes guys 10 years to do what he's done, Mm -hmm. right? So he's earned to be the face. Right. And you can't deny, I always tell my quarterbacks, like, if you're being doubted, you have to understand, you know, you got to do something where you exceed expectations. Now they'll pay you. They'll pay you if you exceed it. They may throw stuff in front of you and right. they may throw penalties in front of you just cause to see if you can beat it. But if you beat it, they got to pay you. That's right. You know? Yeah, and I think also the one piece about all of this is the money aspect. If we look at NFL as an entire business and each NFL team as a franchise and as a business, then we start to understand where there's money involved. And does a team want a Lamar Jackson to be the face of their, the organization or do they want a Tom Brady like or a Peyton Manning like? So I think that also kind of plays part of it, too. You know, it's something that's kind of hidden in the background a little bit, but that's also part of it, too. Yeah, I like it, man. You're getting into it and you have to understand Lamar has won an MVP. But Lamar has dreads, and he's from Broward County. You don't mm-hmm. see him in a lot of commercials. You don't see him being endorsed by a lot of different things. But you see Baker Mayfield on all the commercials. You right. Know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I see it. People see it. And that's just what it is. Now, Cam had a shot, right? Right. But then Cam, he started growing his hair out. He started right. bringing the dreads back. That was it for him. That was it. Mm-hmm. The guys with the clean-cut guys, McNabb had chunky soup, right? Clean-cut. Spoke well. That's what they're looking for, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to understand, you have to carry yourself in a way of being branded their way if that's something you want to do or you're going to say, I'm going to be myself. I'm going to stand for my culture. My culture is is African-Americans because a lot of people think guys will grow out dreads for a certain look, but it's really our culture is where we come from. So Mm -hmm. some people tap into that at some point where they're like, man, this is what I'm going to do for my culture. This and getting into my roots. I'm 40% Nigerian. Mm-hmm. Great great grandfather had dreads, and I'm gonna grow dreads, you know. So, but that's not what they're looking for, in my opinion, in the league to be a spokesperson, you know, to speak for the league. Absolutely, I completely agree 100%. I'm gonna read you an article that was written on NFL.com, and if folks want to take a look at this article, they can go to NFL.com and take a look at it. It's written by Jim Trotter back in 2021, and in that article, Tony Dungy, Hall of Famer, had a quote in there. I'm going to read you the quote, and I want to get your take on the other side of the quote, okay? Mm-hmm. And it's dealing with the black-white issue and whether race is still an issue at the quarterback position in NFL. He says, quote, As I'm sitting there broadcasting and we're talking about Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, and Lamar Jackson, it's not even, oh my God, look at what these guys are doing. It's, this is a new quarterback position. So I think we're past that now. What are your thoughts on that? I think he's 100% right. I think he's 100% right. We are past 
that portion of it because those guys are showing they can play, right? Mm-hmm. The right system. But Tony Dungy is Tony Dungy, but he's going to become irrelevant from a standpoint of him being out of the league. You get what I'm saying? So he may say that. Yes. And it may make sense in that era. But then again, right. five, ten years go by. Now you have whatever it's going to be from a standpoint of this is how a person feel about the position and who carries right. the position. So I think he's 100% right at that point. Yeah, when he came in and whenever he said that, when those boys came in, they were balling. Yeah, it makes – yeah, definitely. But like I say, man, I think it's going to be an endless situation where we're always going to have to come in and prove ourselves as black quarterback. Absolutely. And I want to say, again, I think it's gotten so much better. There's obviously a ways to go. As of today, and I know there's a couple quarterbacks who are on the IR, but in the NFL right now, there's eight quarterbacks of color that are starting, and that includes Lamar, Jalen, Deshaun Watson, Geno Smith, Josh Dobbs, Tua, Dak, and Anthony Richardson. So at that important position, it's gotten much better. And when we talk about some of these other quarterbacks, in particular, Lamar and Jalen and also Patrick Mahomes, those guys got record deals. So franchises are paying quarterbacks of color. So I don't want to make it seem as though these guys are getting shafted or they're not getting their fair share because these guys are. I just think that the stigma and the image is still there. And it's kind of if the game is evolving and if everything else around it is evolving, why has that not evolved? And that's kind of where I'm at with that. It's like, why are we still having this conversation when guys who are of color are pretty much leading the NFL? And so that's where this kind of comes from. Yeah, and it makes sense, man. It's just one of them things that is what it is. And we're going to continue to, like, the world has changed as far as, like, white marriages and things like that. You know, you have more interracial kids that are coming up. So that's more of today's generation. Right. So you're going to have more of those kids that come in that are, are, are mixed or African-American that come into the league that are talented as heck. And you're going to have to make a decision on, okay, is this what we want to continue to come in here? Mm-hmm. Or we want to get back to where it was with the pay manners because this ain't going anywhere. Right. The next Mahomes on the way. They training right. like it right now, down the street. <laughs> you That's know right. What I'm That's he right. Yeah, absolutely. training down the street to be Mahomes tomorrow. You see it all the time. So, like I said, what we have to understand, man, is, and it's not a bad thing to me because it's life. We have to be over-prepared. And that's the 1% part of this whole thing. Training, that's the 1% part of academics. That's the 1% part of just what you put into your kids and how you approach the game. If you're right, really absolutely. wanting to be the next Mahone, these are the expectations, but not just the physical part. of understand what you're going to have to go through. And are you willing to overcome that on top of being cognitive of understanding what's around you? Like, what do you have against you? You may only have one strike, and that's it. Mm-hmm. You're not going to last long being a backup either. Like, you're going to be a starter, or you got a few guys, but I just think there's more opportunities of backups of other races than us that stay in the league a little bit longer. We kind of get knocked out fast. Right. I think Tyrod Taylor has been yes. in the league for a while. Josh Johnson, he's been in the league for a while, but it's not a lot. So, right. opportunity is very slim, but – the expectation level has to be extremely high, and it can't be a in between when it comes to how you train your kid and what you you develop him for life. And the reason why I say that because I'm a trainer and also I'm a coach, and I'm also a parent that has athletes in this thing. And I talk to my daughters all the time. I have a son, and he's two now, so he's coming up and he's watching this whole thing. Right. <laughs> there can't be an in between when it comes to what you want to do. 
right? If you're willing to be an athlete, if you're wanting to play major pro ball, if you want to be a high scholar, there can't be a, you know what? It's okay if you get a C. It's fine, right? Right. It's okay if you don't go hard today. It's okay. You can do it tomorrow. No, there's there's no tomorrow because the opportunities we already know, like we were just saying now, it's not going to last long. They may not want it to last long, or we may not have a long opportunity like anybody else. Right. So we have to understand when we come in, it's no in between. We work our butt off. We always stay over prepared. And when the opportunity comes, you stay more prepared. Right. I agree. And I think what will also help the change in the stigma and the thought process is a lot of these coaches who are coming in are coming in from the college level and they're also younger. And so they've been around a lot of these athletes for a long time. And even in some of the GMs in the NFL are getting younger. And so they've been around this culture a little bit. And so they understand. And so they can adapt to a little bit better. And so that helps bring in some of these players from the college level. So I think that's also going to help with the change of this culture. Finally, what advice do you have for young quarterbacks of color when it comes to playing the position and dealing with, with the perception of being cerebral enough to play the position? Stay as prepared as possible. I would like to get into that, right? Because we have to understand something. With our race, everybody doesn't have the opportunity to have – I'm getting into it right now, right? When it comes to being cerebral, everybody doesn't have the opportunity to have someone to stay on their academics or to – have the mentality of academics first. So when you get cognitive enough, old enough to understand what it takes to be a certain level of player, and you get around people who can enhance you outside of maybe what your household is because it's just the life of different demographics of where people come from. Maybe at that moment you can't, right? But once you start understanding, be over-prepared. Right, work your butt off no matter what situation you're in, you're not always gonna be in that situation. And when you get to a point where somebody's there to help you, listen to that person, love on that person, always ask questions from that person and be over prepared in every situation that you want. And if you do that, there'll be less things they can take away from you once you go into that situation. Absolutely. So BJ, how can people follow you? They can follow me on Instagram at the quarterback house underscore QBs. You can follow me on Twitter, quarterback house 55. And I'm on Facebook just under BJ Hall. Well, Coach BJ, I really appreciate you taking out the time and kind of talking about this topic. I really appreciate your insight. And again, it's something that we need to discuss. Unfortunately, like you said, it's something that's not going to go away, but I think the tides are turning and it's getting better. But it's something I think we still need to discuss and make sure we're all aware of what's going on, but yet also understand and respect the fact that things are changing and quarterbacks of color are certainly moving up and and starting to get their fair share of the notoriety and even the finances that comes along with playing that position. Stay prepared, quarterback. <laughs> Thanks for your time. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you, man. All righty. Thank you. Once again, I'd like to thank Coach BJ Hall for joining the show. So what are the three takeaways from today's episode? Number one, quarterbacks of color continue to work hard, be prepared, and perform at the highest level. Number two, don't let someone's opinion of you be your reality. And number three, be yourself. That concludes episode number 71. If you enjoyed this episode, I ask that you share it with a friend. If you enjoy this podcast, I ask that you subscribe. Please tune in for the next episode. And as always, thanks for listening. Take care.